all you see right now is headlines about how we're heading to a recession. And, you know, it just feels like they've been saying that for the last year. Yeah, yeah but this most most predicted recession. And we've had two in the last, like, two years. We've had two recessions. Yeah. You know, and they don't even acknowledge that those happened. Right, yeah. You yeah. know? And, and so you have them saying there's going to be one in the future when the Fed is as, you know, three more, you know, 75 more basis points. And then, you know, they're pretty much over. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities out there. I think there's tremendous opportunities. Hello, I'm Christian DeHamer, and this is uh, Angel Investment Research Podcast, and I'm here with the great uh, Alex Koifman, who is the editor of Small Cap Insider and First Call. Microcap Insider. Microcap Insider. It's, it's fine, because small would be bigger than micro, so that was a compliment. Oh, it's great. So, tell us a little about yourself and what you're doing. Uh, okay, well, I run the two services. Uh, they focus on, um, as the name implies, uh, microcaps or, for lack of a better term, penny stocks. And uh, typically, I like to look at um, tech stocks, energy stocks, uh, a little bit of resource, a little bit of biotech. Um, you know, it's uh, a pretty good mixture. We've had a lot of success, specifically with um, anything pertaining to the EV revolution. So we're looking at batteries, next generation electric motors, that kind of thing. Um, First Call is uh, a little bit more specialized. It's for higher net worth investors who are interested in uh, private offerings, pre-IPO investments, that kind of thing. And as far as subject matter, uh, also... uh, more of the same, um, a lot of EV stuff, uh, some biotech, uh, resource, oil and gas, you know, whatever, whatever's convenient and whatever makes sense. So yeah. that's what we do. You're a big guy. You're bullish on the EV story. <clears throat> uh, it's, there's no real easy way to answer that question. Uh, there are definitely a, a lot of compelling arguments for why it's either overbought, overhyped, or just plain um, unsustainable, you know, to do the things that some of our uh, leaders and corporate leaders. Right. Uh, Net know, zero by 2050. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, you know, a lot of people talk about the environmental cost of mining lithium and how much, you know, it, how much mining it takes to keep every Tesla on the road, for example, and the damage that that does to the environment in and of itself may, you know, overshadow global warming, whatever the effects of more carbon in the air. Plus, in this country... Where does seventy percent of our electricity come from? The stuff that you charge your batteries with, it's right. still Coal, yeah, it's oil. still fossil fuels. So, um, but that said, I I don't see us driving internal combustion engine cars fifty years from now. Right. So that that has to come at some point. I think that the the proverbial Model T of the EV world is already here, you know, right. and yeah. I think that Tesla did that. Right. And if you look at what happened after Ford released the Model T, it pretty much destroyed all the existing competition, but it, it opened the door for a bunch of new companies to either uh, get started or to, to rise to the top. And some of those companies are still around today, like Cadillac and Chevy. So right. I, brothers. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, um, now, the, the question that I think you want to get to is, is it a good investment now? I mean, we've seen a serious bloodletting in the EV industry. We've seen Tesla lose like 75% of its market cap. 
We've seen um, Lucid and uh, Rivian, kind of the two upstarts that a lot of people talk about. We've seen them do the same. I mean, uh, Rivian, I think, was like a $100 billion IPO, and was it worth today? Like, I don't, I don't even think it's, it's – it's like in the 20s maybe. Well, so. yeah, obviously it was a uh, – you know, a place for all this excess cash that the Fed printed to go to, like cryptocurrency or whatever. But uh, interesting, I was at a uh, copper mine. I was uh, talking to these copper guys in uh, Nevada like about two weeks ago, and they had all these slides talking about how much copper is going to be needed, you know, to build all these EVs. And then, you know, they're very bullish about the whole thing. So I think you're on the right track there with the, you know, the resources necessary for these EV developments. And maybe that's where, you know, the investor should be. So what are you what are you doing to address that? What am I doing to address? Yeah. Well, I'm looking. I'm going to visit copper mines and you know talking about it and uh, looking into it. And so like uh, you know as copper bottom, copper's been uh, moving up for the past you know month or so, and uh, it's looking to break out. And you know copper is always a precursor to. Uh, bull markets, mm. you know, they call it Dr. Copper because it uh, tells you what's going on in the markets. Right. So it's needed for electricity, it's needed for buildings, it's needed for global, you know. So it's like a, it's a bellwether for everything pretty right. much. That's right. And so the idea <clears throat> is that China's reopening, well, you have a number of trends, right? One is China's reopening. Another one is uh, China, companies that used to manufacture in China because of the supply chain are moving to Mexico and the U.S., and so they're building factories and things like that. And, um, you know, and then you have the EV idea that uh, you need, I think you need 90 pounds of copper per electric vehicle as opposed to, I don't know, five pounds or whatever. Yeah, and just the motor alone. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. So I guess you think that uh, we've, we've hit rock bottom already and we're on the way up? Um, I th well, I'm looking at the charts, and you'll see. Uh, I'll give you a chart. If you see the Nasdaq, it uh, we're bounced off the bottom. I think we put in a bottom October 12th, and I think we're bouncing off that, and I think we'll retest it. So I don't think right now is the absolute bottom, but I think we'll go back there, and then we'll bounce. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, that should be a signal for the smart investors to start buying again, though, right? Yeah, pretty soon here. I think it. Uh, I think you'll get another couple of weeks. And then, yeah, about a month maybe we'll start buying again. We'll start looking. I don't think it'll be tech stocks you want to own. I think it'll be um, more resource stocks, uh, commodities, things like that, whatever China is going to suck up once they reopen. Mm. Gotcha. And uh, what, what, are you, what, what are your thoughts on the market and what um, are you bullish on? What I trends mean, do you see? You know, I uh, – what trends do I see? Um, you know, when I when I first came to Angel Publishing, this you know this company was built out as like the a contrarian contrarian ad investment research investment right. wisdom, and um, it's funny because a lot of the people that we work with are still convinced that we're heading we're not just haven't hit bottom yet we're, we have a long way to go and that's kind of in line with popular wisdom right now right. so that's not contrarian everybody's at all. Call, everybody's calling the yeah, we're heading for a massive recession. All those people are always wrong, though. Yeah. That's the thing. They're they always, were wrong 2010, They'll make movies about how wrong yeah. they were yeah, 10 yeah. years from now. Absolutely. And so um, I kind of go by that. I'm uh, My investment strategy is to always be, if not the dumbest, then one of the dumbest people in the room, surround myself with people who are smarter than me and look at what they're doing right. and do some of the things that they're doing. And so 
Um, I see that fear is probably peaking right now. And when I see that, it, it, that's definitely a, a huge green light for me to start right. to start buying stuff. And that's what I have been doing uh, probably for the last six months. Um, I tend to, to buy uh, private companies more than public companies. And so I take those opportunities. Um, to me, it's almost a shelter against recession because these companies are going to stay uh, – they're going to stay private and illiquid and therefore impossible to, you know, for the stock price to collapse for the next year, year and a half. And then hopefully a year, year and a half from now where we're actually in a bull market. Right. And, uh, you know, and at that point they become liquid and I can come out with a nice tidy profit. So that's my thinking generally. Um, I, I look at the people that I think are going to be wrong. Right. And the talking heads right now, you know, all, that, all you see right now is headlines about how we're heading to a recession. And, you know, it just feels like they've been saying that for the last year. They right? haven't. Yeah, this most most predicted recession. And we've had two in the last, like, two years. We've had two recessions. Yeah. You know, and they don't even acknowledge that those happened. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, and so you have them saying there's going to be one in the future when the Fed is as, you know, three more, seven, you know, 75 more basis points. And then, you know, they're pretty much over. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities out there. I think there's tremendous opportunities. But you're talking about private companies. How how would somebody actually, Joe Blow, go out and buy a private company? Um, well, we we do offer some opportunity uh, to get exposed to that through first call. Yeah. Um, so if people want, uh, they can always sign up. Right now, deal flow, just so people know, deal flow right now is still uh, pretty thin. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these private offerings, you know, people are just waiting. They're waiting for when the stock market starts to pick up because they know that they can exit at a higher price. So, What do you mean by deal flow? Uh, deal flow meaning uh, companies aren't private companies or public companies that are doing private fundraising. They're, mm -hmm. they're just not as active right now as they would be would have been, say, a year and a half ago when it was red hot. When they're just waiting. Yeah, they're waiting a little bit. Building but like, their business, whatever. But again, if, you're, if, if you have the courage to get in now, it's the same deal. You know, you're, right. you're getting in at lower valuation. They want to avoid lower valuation because they want the next, they want the next uh, raise to be at a higher price, ultimately so that they can IPO at a higher price. Oh, but I right see. now, you know, right now if it's cheap, then, you know, guys like me, um, we, we want a piece of that. The problem is there are less apples floating around for you to bite off of. So, um, you know, it's tough, but I think um, I would tend to agree with you. I think it's going to get better, and hopefully by the end of the year things will be picking up a little bit. So, um, yeah, uh, more or less, that's what we're looking at. What about, uh, you know, besides China, what, what other global catalysts are you, are well, you looking at? Well, I mean, you got you to gotta think uh, what's priced in, right? First of all, like you said about contrarianism, you have to think oftentimes I'll do the mental uh, gymnastics and go, what's the most hated thing right now, right? And so if you're looking around the world and you'd say, what's the most hated thing russia and china yeah gas prop probably but you can't buy it but you know if you yeah. could it'd probably be a bargain so at some point probably you know after the spring offensive the ukraine and the russia will come to some sort of negotiation and they'll have some sort of peace do you honestly think that that's going to end in in the something like that it's going to be a negotiation no. you think it'll just go forever um i mean no. i don't know i mean my play on the russian thing is uh has been oil tankers and uh, I've been bullish on oil tankers for two years now. For storage? I, no. Or for, for actual transportation? Yeah, because they blew up Nord Stream and because the Russian oil is now going from Russia to India and Russia, instead of through pipelines to Germany, it's now going through 
you know, put on ships and sent to India or China and then refined and sold back to Europe. Well, who's going to be building the oil tank? Or how is that going to work with with the sanctions, right? Oh, because uh, a, lot of, a lot of the oil tankers are owned by the Greeks, and the Greeks don't care about the sanctions. And they're selling their 20-year-old oil tankers at a premium to anonymous buyers who mm-hmm. are just— Who are uh, the Russians. Which are the Russians but they need Chinese. But rep- they need to replace their— their, their merchandise. So. Right, but they can't because uh, – this is a great story because uh, during the pandemic, they – first of all, China and South Korea who build all these ships uh, were offline. A lot of it was slowed down. And because the container ships were in high demand, they ordered like, you know, three years' worth of container ships. And it takes three years to roughly to make an oil tanker. Mm-hmm. And so we're at a – 15 to 20-year cyclical low in oil tankers, the actual number of them, the fleet size Three is Three years. Huh? That's wild. Three years to build a ship like that. Yeah. We used to build them in like a month during World War yeah, II. like Liberty ships. Yeah. Yeah, three days and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are, you know, massive ships and all that, and they have two holes and, you know, get insurance and whatever. But so they're not going to have new oil tankers until like 2025. Is my point. And so those people that right now have oil tankers, they're selling their junk oil tankers that used to be scrapped to the anonymous buyers at a premium. So their net asset value is going up. They're they're charging leases or like hitting records Mm -hmm. because their time, you know, their miles, their their sailing is much longer. And so their time is much longer. And anyway, so I'm I'm bullish on oil tankers. That's my – it's one of my big themes of this year. Gotcha. Okay, um, I know you didn't really want to talk about this, but uh-huh. crypto. Crypto. You know, uh, Bitcoin's 17000 It's holding up remarkably well. How much should it be, though? I guess it should be 17000 <laughs> See, that's, that's the big question. I've never – you know, I, we've, been, we've been on the crypto story. Um, Jesus, I, I don't even remember the first time what we – I mean, I remember the first time I wrote about it, and I was nowhere near the first at Angel. It was like 2017. Um, I recommended it at four hundred and ninety dollars. What was that? Like, like two thousand fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Yeah, and I wrote it and I sold it all like in that first run when I went to nineteen. And then it uh went up to, you know, whatever, six it came back to seven, went to sixty nine, you know, sixty. I just I'm trying to figure hilarious. out I'm trying to figure out a justification for for any valuation on that. Any know? valuation yeah, like on how, Bitcoin? How, yeah, how do you like in, in your in, if you were to I don't know if you do on your own, buy buy this stuff. I've I've dabbled in it and I've always regretted it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how do you do it? Um, you know. Well, like you said, you know, people buy spend a hundred thousand dollars on license plates in Delaware. You know. Uh, yeah, but you kind of you know those hundred thousand dollar license plates. Those people know what they're getting. They know who yeah. they're competing with. Right. You know they the product makes sense to them. They can hold it in their hand. They can right. uh, you know they can have people looking at them, which right. is that's the value. You know. What is what is the utility of a Bitcoin other than the fact that it can contain money? Well, it, well, I I first recommended Bitcoin because it had all the all the earmarks of a stupendous bubble, you know. Okay. You know because it had because nobody understands it first of all, and then there were diehards who who would talk about it and pretend to understand it, mm-hmm. and so and then there was a ton of money being thrown at it, and so it was a new thing. So it was like uh, it reminded me of the tech bubble of you know 1997. Sure. You know the internet. You know, when Yahoo got bid up to mm-hmm. you know a thousand p and all that stuff, and Yahoo Japan went even higher, and you know 
it, it had the same thing because there was limited supply, right? So you have if you have limited supply, a whole lot of attention, and no real understanding, it's like you know, it's just a massive bubble. Right, I, like that. Yeah. I like that explanation. Yeah. You think the the FTX debacle is gonna it's gonna kind of put a reset on the whole market, or it's not gonna really? Well, I think big. Well, you know, it's, uh, I thought honestly, I thought Bitcoin would go back to like seven thousand, and the fact that it's holding at seventeen thousand, and there's again a limited supply, and you know, and uh, I don't know. I think, you know, you have a – the problem with Bitcoin, of course, is you have a lot of whales in there who aren't selling. Mm-hmm. And so they're holding and so it's holding the line. But, I, you know, yeah, I wouldn't mess with it. I mean, I, I prefer other – I prefer other things like pot stocks or, or whatever, which are down like 98%, you know. Sure. And that market's probably only going to be going up. Uh, yeah, you know, you got to think there's going to be merging. Yeah, if you, get, if you get legalized banking in the pot industry, you know, it's, it's going to double. You know, overnight, and that's bound to happen in the next two years. Sure. So, is it worth waiting fifty percent a year? You know, to, of course it is. You know, of course, like uh, Tilray, I think was uh, talking about converting some of their greenhouses to like growing lettuce because there's more margins on lettuce right oh, now. Wow. <laughs> Man, gotta start raising those prices. Yeah. So why don't um, you know, I talked about my newsletters? Uh-huh. Tell us uh, about yours. I write the Bull and Bust Report, and I write uh, Launchpad Trader. And the Bull and Bust Report is uh, we do like some deep value stuff uh, or value and growth, I guess. Growth at a you know fair price is what we're talking about. Um, which is like I've been buying um, Mexican airports. There's limited things to buy in Mexico. Um, there's like ten stocks you can buy in the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, my thesis is that Mexico will be the uh, the country of the next decade because they signed the new NAFTA agreement, and uh, you know Biden was just down there, and they have a population pyramid which is really uh, beneficial to historic uh, stock market gains. You know everybody's twenty five; they have something like five of the top fifty universities in the world. And anyway, and uh, their economic minister just said 400 companies were asking about permits to build factories or expand factories. So you have people leaving China and going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And there's limited ways to play it. And one of the ways to play it is to buy these uh, Mexican airports, which are like a utility. You know, they make money th- as passengers come through, you know, and they also rent out, you know, restaurant spaces and all that. And they pay like – one of them pays like a 13% dividend. And they've had like, uh, if you look over the last 10 years, including COVID years, when there was like no traffic, they paid like a 17%, they've had a 17% annual growth rate, just, you know, phenomenal, safe, you know. Resource-wise, uh-huh. uh, you know, like uh, precious metals, what, what do you, you, you talked about copper a little bit. Copper, I like silver. I own a couple of silver plays. Um, in Launchpad Trailer, we do Momentum. Uh, trade, so what people are buying. And so we get in and out in about three months. Um, we cashed out a lot of our oil plays recently, uh, which have done really well last year. And now we're, I'm moving into some silver plays. Mm-hmm. Avino Silver, if you know that, ASM, 70 cent stock. It, uh, for some reason, it like launches more What's than. What's the market cap? Oh, like 120 okay, million. So Small, m- tiny. Micro cap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where's it based? They uh, they have their mines in uh, Mexico and they're based out of Canada, I think. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. How about yourself? <clears throat> Resource-wise, uh, I've been steering clear of it as far as the newsletters recently, but I've been personally uh, 
doing some dabbling in oil and gas. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's mostly because that's what's been been available lately. That's uh, that's kind of the one sector that I've seen in the uh, in the Canadian market at least that their uh, their offerings just haven't they haven't really slowed down. They they just continued right. uh, even through all the panic of the second half of the last year. Uh, it's been pretty consistent. You know, oil was the best performing sector last year, and Exxon still Exxon, the biggest oil company in the world, still has a P of nine, you know, so they're still undervalued, yep. in my opinion, anyway. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell. My only uh, my only sort of, like, ongoing speculative, uh, I don't know, pattern, personal trend type thing to look at is, uh, I would say, graphene right now. Oh, yeah. For the next yeah. five to ten years, uh, graphene... Uh, We've talked about it a lot on these podcasts, but for those who have never heard of it, it's uh, it's uh, what's called a, a nanostructure. So it's an artificial material that's one atom thick. Um, it was discovered at the beginning of the century. It won its key researchers the Nobel Prize in 2012. And this stuff is – it's a wonder material. That's what they call it. And 200 times as strong as steel. An acre of it weighs less than a gram. They can potentially replace right? silicon with uh -huh. it, and uh, you know they can start making uh, the next generation of microchips out of it, which right. addresses another issue, and that's the global chip uh, chip shortage. Right. And so, uh, yeah, graphene. Uh, there have been a couple key breakthroughs over the course of the last couple of years that have radically decreased the production price. Mm. So it went from being basically twice as expensive as gold to make. We're talking something like like three thousand dollars an ounce. Um, Probably to one one hundredth that, and so with that, uh, a whole a whole slew of new opportunities opens. There's uh, next gen batteries, there's next gen computer chips, uh, there's all sorts of uh, industrial materials that can be made of it. Everything right down to body armor to stop bullets in war. So we're going to be looking at that a lot this year. So are you buying the uh, producers or are you buying the people who use it? Or? Uh, no, producers yeah. right now. Um, they're, they're a couple of small companies, relatively small companies. How do you like, get a graphene? Do you grow it? You, uh, no, they, so there's, there's a production method, uh -huh. um, and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but all it requires is natural gas and electricity, and uh -huh. they can make this stuff to exacting specifications. So uh -huh. whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. Uh, Conductors, semiconductors. It's the best thermal conductor known to man. Oh, so, yeah, yeah it's um. It's gonna there's, replace copper then. It it may it yeah. may. The problem is it's you know I mean expensive. Yeah. It's it's expensive, right. but I think that the benefits in the long term it, it'll be you know it'll be like an order of magnitude improvement in performance of personal electronics batteries. You can charge your phone and. Uh, just maybe 10 to 20 seconds. You could charge an uh, electric vehicle in less than a minute. So oh, that right? that's quicker. That's quicker than you can pump a tank full of gas. This is all stuff that isn't. It's not on the shelves yet, obviously. Right. But the next couple of years, we will see it. We will see it. The first graphene batteries right now are the consumer level production is just starting right now. So hmm. we're going to be looking into that at Microcap Insider over the course of this year. should be interesting. All right. Sounds great. Yep. So uh, probably a good good point we've yeah. reached to well, uh, say goodbye. Great Chris, always a pleasure, man. Yep. We'll catch you next time. Yep. Angel Investment Research. <laughs>